We're live. Hi, I'm Evo Dalder, president of the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. I'm Jim Lindsay, senior vice president of the Council on Foreign Relations. We're the authors of The Empty Throne, America's Abdication of Global Leadership. Evo, maybe you can start us off by summarizing the argument we make in The Empty Throne. Well, basically, the argument we make is that for uh, since 1945, Bipartisan consensus in American foreign policy has been to uphold, shape, and promote a rules-based international order. And that Donald Trump was really the first president who was not interested in that. He wasn't interested in leading. He was interested in winning. And the difference between winning and leading is the difference between Donald Trump and all of his 13 predecessors. Well, I'll note, Evo, that uh, Donald Trump campaigned by saying he was going to produce a lot of wins. Uh, we were going to win so much we would get tired of winning. I would say, as I look at it, I don't think he's chalked up a lot of wins. His nuclear deal with North Korea has gone nowhere. Uh, he has a China trade deal, which he likes to point to, but seems to be uh, more sizzle uh, than its actual stake. Uh, looking pretty much everywhere else, I think American foreign policy seems to be in shambles. Are you surprised at uh, where Trump has taken American foreign policy? Not really. You know, I think when we were first talking about this in the immediate aftermath of the election, we thought that uh, this president would uh, be a fundamentally different president than before uh, and would mark the retreat of the United States from international engagement. I think that's what we've seen uh, over the past uh, few years. And we've seen uh, other countries, and in particular China, trying to fill the vacuum. China has um, emerged as a much more a proactive, one would even say aggressive kind of power, uh, trying to uh, put its interests and its influence all over the world, not just in the East Asia region, yes, in, South, uh, in the South China Sea, yes, in the East China Sea, but also militarily uh, in the Persian Gulf. It's had uh, its ships in, in exercises with the Russians in the Baltic Seas, in the Mediterranean, and of course, the Belt and Road Initiative is expanding political and economic influence of China everywhere. I think the only luck we've had is that the Chinese haven't been particularly good at uh, uh, building uh, their influence. They're, they aren't as good as the United States was at bringing other people in the fold because they're pretty, um, uh, they're using a big stick uh, in many ways uh, when they are talking to other countries. But clearly, China has emerged as a big competitor in part because we've let them. Well, I think Evil that points to one of the great errors of Trump's foreign policy. President Trump consistently is derided. America's great asset, that we, the United States, have a lot of friends around the world, unlike the Chinese. But we have seen over the last three plus years to have tried to alienate as many of those friends uh, as possible. And I think the pandemic is a classic example of where under a more traditional American president, you would have seen leadership rallying countries together because we face a common challenge and a common cause. But the Trump administration, President Trump in particular, has been averse to providing that kind of leadership. Yeah, and as a result, I think uh, uh, we've seen the kind of weakness of an international system that's fragmenting. Uh, normally, you would find the United States, as you said, uh, coming together with our allies and friends. And now, frankly, the allies and friends are trying to figure out what to do. Unfortunately, they haven't uh, found a way to get together and, and exercise the power that in, in many ways they have. If you bring the Canadians and the, and the Asian allies and the European allies together, you have a massive economic, political, and even military capability. 
but these countries have been inward focused and not been able to get together in uh, the kind of way that we wanted that, that we had hoped uh, in, in some ways when we wrote our peace and foreign affairs uh, on the committee to save uh, the, uh, the new world order, the G9 that we called it, it hasn't happened. And as a result, you see uh, more fragmentation and less ability of the international uh, actors to get uh, to get together and solve the problems that we have. I think that's what the world looks like today and may also look that way immediately after the election. What do you think? Uh, I think that uh, if Joe Biden wins and the polls show him uh, leading right now, he is going to have a very full plate uh, when it comes to foreign policy. I think a lot of America's friends and allies uh, will want a more traditional foreign policy, uh, but I think it's going to be hard for uh, Joe Biden uh, to deliver a, a quick return. I think expectation, expectations are going to be very high, uh, but so are the challenges. So he won't be in an enviable position. I think a lot of Americans will want him to tend to issues here at home. Uh, but that gets us to the question, what if uh, the gap we currently see in the polls close and uh, President Trump wins a second term? What do you think happens then, Eva? Well, I think in some ways our allies and friends have been waiting to see what happens on November 3rd. But if, if, if uh, President Trump succeeds in uh, getting reelected, I think we'll see him doubling down on the policies that he's pursued. And the rest of the world is going to say we can't rely on the United States. We've got to figure out our own way to deal with the issues. That's maybe by turning internally or balancing uh, powers around the world. It's going to be a dangerous world, that's for sure. Well put, Evo. I want to thank everybody for listening to us.